When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The classic funk rock band War plays the Lake Arbor Jazz Festival in Mitchellville, Maryland tonight, followed by the Tally Ho Theater in Leesburg, Virginia on July 29th. I spoke to founder Lonnie Jordan when the band played the Birchmere in 2016, breaking down War's timeless hits like Spill the Wine, Low Rider, and Why Can't We Be Friends. Lonnie, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Now, now tell us, you're calling us from uh, the tour bus, right? You just got up from a nap. Yep, and I'm going right back to nap <laughs> after this. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, we were playing in uh, Asheville, uh, North Carolina last night. Uh, well, night before last. Uh, so we are moving on. We're on a month tour right now, back to back. So uh, after um, the Birchmere, we will be heading up toward New York and on and on and on for a whole tour. <laughs> Nice. Um, what? Uh, let's say our listeners hear this and they come out to the Birchmere. Um, what can they expect to hear? Is it sort of you know some of your your greatest hits? Any of any new stuff you're working on? Uh, no, just all hits. Because I I wouldn't want to go uh, listen to any any group that I like you know and start playing stuff I'm not familiar with and I, I'll get bored and I'll be mad. <laughs> I came there in order to have a flashback. <laughs> <And laughs> yeah, right. That, give them what they paid yeah, for. That, yeah, that, it reminded me want. of a. Uh, I went and saw Bob Dylan at the, at Wolf Trap and he, it was almost uh, it was hardly any of the hits. So I am sure a lot of a lot of fans will appreciate you playing the hit. Oh yeah, yeah, because that that's what I would want, you know. So I think like a fan. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, we can go through some of the hits in a second, but first, take me back sort of to the, um, you know, the the early days, the formation of, of War. Because I know, didn't you guys, you, you used to have some of the bandmates, you guys were performing under The Creators and, and Night Shift. Take, take me sort of into those early days. Well, uh, the, the majority of the band, uh, the, you know, all of us, uh, minus Lee Oscar, we were called The Creators, and then uh, we became the... Uh, yeah, you know, as the creators were young, we were playing talent shows and we had to have like a, a, a green paper in order to play in nightclubs. Uh, like uh, during the breaks, we couldn't uh, uh, couldn't be seen at the bar. We had to stay in the kitchen until it was time to go back on to perform. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that was the creator days. And uh, and, uh, and and we played a lot of uh, uh, parks, you know, stuff like that. But. Other than that, uh, we became the Night Chef, and that's when we teamed up with uh, Deacon Jones, uh, number 49 of the football team, the Rams. Deacon Jones, he was looking for a band to back him up in a, at, at his nightclub that, uh, that he had. And so we uh, became his backup band. And, I mean, we did, we did a lot of other stuff. It's just that I would, I would have to write a book. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I, you I, will. Maybe you should someday. I, I plan to. 
uh, I've just given you a couple of things, you know, from the different uh, names uh, uh, as time, <laughs> you know, went through to now. Yeah. And uh, but other than that, that's when uh, Eric Burden and uh, Lee Oscar and the, and the uh, whole bunch of uh, people came down to see us play because Eric Burden was looking for a band at the time and uh, saw us play. The Oscar sat in with us, and and uh, Eric fell in love with the band, and that's it was uh, love at first sight. <laughs> now everyone remembers Eric Burden from you know I think he was used to perform for the for the Animals. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, before we get more into him, tell me just real quick before we move forward, um, what was it like performing with Deacon Jones? Everyone knows him, you know, for ripping people's heads off on the field, but what was he like on stage? Uh, well, Deacon was the kind of person, he, he, he did more push-ups than, than anything. That was the, the base of his performance. And uh, he did have two singles. And uh, one of them was uh, A Love and a Pro. And the other one was, uh, uh, it, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how well you play the game. I mean, that's a long name. <laughs> but uh, it made it on the record, though. <laughs> So, so that's and, awesome. Uh, All right. Well, yeah, the, yeah. now moving on to, to Eric Burden. So, he, you know, everyone knew his voice from the animals. Um, what was it like being, you know, playing, playing with him? Because I, I believe your, your first album was Eric Burden declares war. Um, so you guys were sort of intertwined there in those, those early days. Yeah, we um, we uh, actually we did a lot of uh, uh, performance with Eric before we recorded anything. And uh, it's just that then, it, I mean, again, in my book, if I ever write it, uh, I will. We will lead up to the fact of you know how we came up with the song "Spill the Wine," which was our first single with Eric Burden, and uh, and at that time uh, we were uh, after we did that we after we recorded it we traveled to Europe and to England, uh, which was not considered Europe. You could say you call it Great Britain, not Europe. So. Anyway, but we traveled over there, and then that's when uh, uh, I started experiencing a lot of new, new worlds and uh, the new everything. And I mean, I even had the great, uh, the great opportunity to meet Jimi Hendrix, and you know, and a whole bunch of other entertainers that were living over there. And uh, as a matter of fact, Hendrix uh, performed with us the night before he passed away. We were the really? last. Are you band serious? Before. When? Yeah, when where was that? It was a, we played Ronnie Scott's in England. He was living over there at the time. And we, he was supporting Eric, you know, because Eric had the new band, which was us, War. And uh, uh, keep in mind that uh, Eric's earlier band, you know, The Animals, uh, the bass player, Chas Chandler, was the one who actually introduced Jimi Hendrix to the uh, music industry. So that was the connection. And, and uh, Hendrix always supported Eric, you know, anything he did. So... It's just that uh, the fact that he liked us and said, wow, you got a great band, man. So he came Tuesday night without his guitar and and he uh, promised that he would come the next, the following night, Wednesday night with his guitar. And we, we jammed for a whole hour without any gimmicks or, or big amplifiers, you know. Uh, so we jammed on uh, Mother Earth, Memphis Slims, Mother Earth for a whole hour. Everyone took a solo. And it, it was it was great, man. And, and it's just that, ironically, you know, he went back to his flat and, uh, and he passed away. You know, that next, that following morning, which was Thursday. Was so. is it a little, you know, 
eerie, haunting, but also, uh, you know, in a way, a privilege. You got to play, you know, his last show. I mean, has that sort of stuck with you over the years? Well, it, it sticks with me because it was just like, uh, it was like, uh, I, I don't know. It just, uh, it was, it was pretty eerie. You know, the fact that here we are playing Mother Earth, and then he went back to Mother Earth. You know what I'm saying? And and and, the, and it's just. Um, uh, you know, we were playing at Ronnie Scott for about maybe five. We, we did five, five nights. Uh, let's see, I believe we might have started Sunday, played Monday, and he came down Tuesday without his guitar. Then Wednesday, he brought his guitar down. And then uh, it was close toward the end of our, you know, show. And, and he, uh, that's when Thursday it, it, it happened. So. That's so. crazy. Yeah, man, you, you seriously could write a book with all this. This is Already you have some great stories with Deacon Jones and yeah. Eric Burden and, and yeah. Jimi Hendrix's yeah, last show. Man, you guys and, are, have been... And these are just the early days. Let's and, move on uh, sort of into, you know, when, when war really blew up and, you know, and all of us around the world got to know you. Um, take me into... Let's go through a couple of your songs. Take me into Spill the Wine and how that one was created. Well, to make a long story short, and you'll have to read the book, <laughs> but to make a long story short, I accidentally spilled wine in, in, the, uh, uh, in, a, in a recording board while uh, the, track, you know, the track was done. And I came in in order to, uh, uh, to help out Eric and, uh, and Jerry Goldstein, our producer then and now, uh, to uh, see if we can uh, improvise and create some lyrics on the track. And uh, so they're having a hard time, and and uh, I won't get into details, but Eric was in the, the uh, vocal booth, and it was pretty dark in there, and the track was playing, and it's it just that I couldn't see that clear through the, all these windows, and, and it was dark on the other side, and I, but then all of a sudden I noticed there was someone else in there with him. <laughs> And, uh, and I said, okay. And come to find out that it was a young lady in there. She was the one that was singing the Spanish part of Spill the Wine. And, uh, and, but Eric still had not come up with any lyrics. But while I was watching, you know, uh, what was going on in there in that little small isolated booth, I had this big bottle of Gallo red wine and styrofoam cups. And I lay, uh, sat the styrofoam uh, cup on top of the board and, and I, I'm not watching what I was doing but I I poured the wine into this cup and it tilted over and went right into the board and fried the board out and it started smoking and Eric saw me do that and I said whoa whoa and then you can see smoke coming up and next thing I know Eric started yelling out spill, spill, spill the wine and spill the wine and then my producer you know the brain started working and the ideas popped up and light bulb went on and spill the wine that should be the name of this song so after that we ended up going around the corner to another studio and uh, of course I had to pay for it but I only paid for it after the song was a hit. <laughs> you should have so, told the rest uh, of the guys that you know you did it on purpose it, it was it was your way to show them the song title well, it was too late because they saw what I was doing because I was watching what Eric was doing in there. As I said, because Eric never failed to amaze me back then. He was wild. <laughs> and I said, now what is he doing? And that's, that's what caused me to spill it. <laughs> that's so cool. All right, moving on, uh, Lowrider. How did that come about? Is uh, it well, as juicy a story as Bill the Wine? No, no this, uh, actually, we um, went out. Uh, actually, when we recorded Lowrider, 
it was pretty much uh, uh, for the lowriders in East L.A. And uh, what we did was we recorded the song and then we went out to East L.A. And, uh, with some cameras and a Nigra sound system uh, in order to film the, uh, some of the cars because no one in the world has ever seen lowriders before. So what we did was we bought two rival car clubs together. One was the Imperial and the other was called the Dukes. And uh, so we had cassettes, you know, uh, uh, not, ma uh, not manufactured cassettes yet, but it was just demo cassettes. And we gave everybody a cassette to put in their car and they were all playing their cassettes in their cars, you know, loud and they were digging it. And they were the first to get a demo tape of Lowrider. And uh, we filmed them and then we took the... Uh, uh, we took the film on the road with us to places uh, beyond the West Coast where people had never seen lowriders before. We even took it to Germany, Japan, and people were amazed and shocked to see these cars bouncing up and down. So that's, that's basically where it, you know, where it came from. It came from uh, the East L.A. lowrider. Uh, uh, you know, we were inspired by them. And no one had ever written a, a song about lowriders. Only one song came close to that, and that was In Crowd by Dobie Gray. But that, and that, that was about cars, but it wasn't about lowriders. No, so. Sometimes the best ideas are right under your nose, and you guys are the, it's who's going to be smart enough to look down and be like, oh, there's a song. <laughs> uh, yep, well, that, that's how we wrote all our songs, you know, from uh, experience and from the streets. Yeah. The other really big one everyone loves is Why Can't We Be Friends, a message that is even more timely today. But take me into sort of how that how that came about and why sort of, you know, it's still so timeless. I mean, God, what, like 30, 40, no, 40 years later. Yeah, well, basically because of what's happened today from, from the time we wrote it and what's been happening in between, nothing's changed. <laughs> but uh, basically we were on tour all the time, you know, the, the forever. And... Uh, it's just this one incident where, uh, you know, that we had to be held up for about 45 minutes before we got out to play because it was always incidents going on before we went out to play. So we were in a holding position until they cleared up the problem outside because back then all of our shows were mixed. You know, we always had a mixed audience. And unfortunately, some of the people pretty much uh, wanted to rule the territory of, 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 of us, saying, well, war is our favorite group. We're the ones that, you know, this, they're our group. No, they're, they're our group. And then there were fights, <laughs> you know. So finally, we just had enough. And, we, we, you know, we always had our instruments backstage. So we just started uh, playing uh, uh, reggae groups backstage and, and finally uh, we came up with this idea why can't everybody just be friends you know and, and we just start singing this melody over and over why can't we be friends why can't we be friends finally we when we went home we remembered it went into the studio and we started writing the lyrics to it you know? relate relate that theme to sort of the band name in general because everyone hears war but it, I, I believe I remember that original album was like we declare war on your right for us to love one another or something like that so tell me sort of about how sort of the the band name sort of ties into that well yeah we we, we named ourselves well, at first we thought it was too radical but then we realized that uh, uh, that well we can use the name 
against war, wars against wars, because there was uh, the Vietnam War was going on. There was uh, uh, the Watts riot, you know, pretty much everything that's going on today. So we call ourselves war to rage war against wars. And it was just too many soldiers coming home from the war and end up finding themselves fighting another war at home in our own backyards. So, and so then, then our music, of course, uh, uh, pretty much followed uh, the message of, of our name, you know, uh, that, that, you know, the world is a ghetto and, and of course, why can't we be friends? And just, you know, just songs like that that had to do with the message of, yeah, we're, we're raging wars, you know. And, and letting you know what's going on in the, in the world, you know, for those that don't know, you know, we, I, I guess in a way, if had we known what Google was back then, we would have said the world is a ghetto is, uh, is our Google song. Just, let, you know, letting you know what's going on, you know. I, I just love that you guys sort of have mixed, you know, over the years, you know, the, the socially conscious stuff like that, but also, you know, just fun, something like Lowriders is as fun as you can get of a song. But combine that with sort of the, the historical moments like Hendrix that you're talking about. I mean, it's a, it's a nice little body of work that stacks up pretty favorably in rock history. Um, I'm pretty sure. Um, didn't you guys? Were, were you just nominated for the Rock Hall a couple years ago? Recently, do you, do you think? Uh, what are you guys' yeah, chances we, of getting we, in here soon? You think? Well, recently, yeah. This, this we were uh, nominated twice, but uh, we keep losing uh, to the metal bands. <laughs> so, ah, yeah. Yeah, but but we we always came close. But you know, but winning something like that doesn't really. Uh, bother me as much because i always look at my fans they are my rock and roll hall of fans and uh and and one of the reasons i think that we've never won any awards is because no one ever knew how to categorize us because our music has always been versatile you know i always called ourselves uh, uh universal street music that that's that's how i pretty much um uh, tell people you know that that that's that's how our music that's where it comes from streets universal you know so uh no one ever knew how to ca categorize us because of uh uh the, the genres of styles that we play you know rather reggae but well actually before then it was calypso <laughs> you know but uh latin funk jazz classical i mean name it uh we, we uh, gospel uh uh country and western we we did it all you know well that's just a credit to you guys that you can Span all of that, so uh, maybe people struggle to categorize you, but to me, that's a positive. That means you guys got range. Um, well, you know, just working. <laughs> thanks so much for your time. I don't, I don't want to keep you too long, but just you know, in closing, you know, why our listeners to hear this? Why should they come out to the Birchmere? You got two shows. You're gonna put on great shows. You know, why should they come out? Well, they should come out because our stage will be smoking, and we will send them home smiling. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.